All right, so welcome to Family Sunday again. So I know it's going to be a little bit louder in here. I've also, my sermon's a little bit, I've added some, some visual aids, if you will, to make it a little bit more engaging for the kids. So, so today when you see some of my visual aids, play along and act like they're really good, okay? And uh, I think Family Sunday is so good for us to do because I think the church has become a little bit at times more like a business than like a family, and when you read the Bible, you don't read, hey, make a really good business. Now, I, I'm, I kind of, I'm business-minded, and I like doing that. But you see throughout the scriptures that the body of Christ, the church, is really a family. And so when we have all the kids in, in here, it's good for us, it's good for those in here that, that are single to see the, the, the full body of Christ, the full family of Christ that we have in here, the, the kids of certain parents that you've shook hands with or the teenagers, well, they're usually in here anyways, but you get the idea. And it's good for us as, as people with, with kids to see the single people in here and to invite them and include them in our families because God, Jesus said, man, man, when you leave your earthly family, I'll give you a bigger one. I'll give you a, a better one, so to speak. And so I think Family Sunday is so good for us to do that, okay? So we've been in the book of Acts, and we're learning from Acts. And what's cool is the kids have been learning about Acts in kids' church, too. So whatever text we go over in here, the kids go over in there, too. And so we've been in the book of Acts, and what we just finished up is Paul just finished up his second missionary journey. If you don't know a lot about Acts, Paul was this guy who persecuted the church, who didn't like the church, and he one day is converted by this miraculous move of God, and then he, he is discipled well, and he begins to be this person who brings the gospel to the whole world. And so we got to see him finish his second missionary journey last week. And today we'll begin to see him start his third missionary journey. Now today, I think that my sermon, this sermon, might be one of your least favorite sermons that I preach in Acts. And, and this is why, yeah, amen. Uh, and here's why, is because there's these three passages that we're going to go through. And as I was looking for a theme in these passages, one stood out pretty quickly to me. And I think the theme is just a theme that we in this culture, even if we're in the church or not in the church, that we don't like to hear. And here's the theme that we're going to be talking about today. And the theme is, what you believe matters. Okay? I'm going to say it again. What you believe matters. Now, the reason I think you might not like this is I could imagine that, that you don't want to hear, Anthony, what I, no, what I believe is what I believe, and you got to deal with it. Or if I, as long as what I believe doesn't affect other people, that's okay. And increasingly in our society, we're, well, I think we keep hearing, like, keep your beliefs to yourself. Believe whatever you want, which in a sense basically says what you believe doesn't matter, and don't tell me about it. But I think that looking at these passages today, that what we believe matters, and I think that's true. I think that we'd be silly to say that, man, the way I think about the world, the way I interact with the world, the way I think about God doesn't matter. It does matter because whatever way we think, that's going to affect our outward actions, okay? So I'm going I'm to tell a story to illustrate this, if, you, if you're still not with me. Um, AJ, if you would, put up that first picture of Amelie with the Great Dane. Um, so that's my daughter, Amelie, with my parents' Great Dane named Rocky, okay? So I grew up with Great Danes. My parents, if, if, you, if you can't tell in the picture, these are massive dogs, right? This is not Photoshopped, okay? This is an old Great Dane. He's probably like 10 years old. 
Um, and he was actually the runt of his litter, I think. So think about that. So he's a big Great Dane. You could go to the next Great Dane picture, if you would, AJ. So that's another Great Dane they have named Lola. She's a year and a half, so she's not even fully grown yet. She has like another year and a half of growing to do. Okay, so I grew up with these big dogs. My parents always had one or two Great Danes and then one or two mutts, and I grew up with these Great Danes. And then coincidentally, I had a neighbor who also had a ton of Great Danes, like that black and white one. He, he would have like four to seven Great Danes at any time in his backyard, legitimately. They had this sweet little dog shed that was like a dog house mansion, really, and they would all live in there. And um, and so I shared an alley with this neighbor, and I loved to ride by and just kind of see these Great Danes, and they would jump on the fence, and it was a wooden fence, and if you don't know Great Danes, when they jump, they are taller than you usually, or at least like six foot tall, and so these Great Danes would jump on this fence, lean over, start barking at you, and then the, the crazy part about this wooden fence was that it would lean forward ever so slightly, so I would bike through here all the time, and I believed that the fence would always hold. I never had trouble with it. The fence always held. These great, and then I wasn't that afraid of Great Danes. I had Great Danes, so I always believed the fence would hold. So one day I'm biking down this alley, and I get past the, the Great Danes, and I say hi to them, and, and then I'm about two-thirds of the way through the alley. I'm past this house with the Great Danes, and I see a friend of mine sitting on his wall, a kid I knew from school. I was probably like third or fourth grade at the time. So I start talking to this kid who's hanging out on his on his wall, as kids are prone to do, and uh, I think I just start share a s- story or something, as I'm apt to do, right? And uh, I'm telling him this story, and then probably about 30 seconds in, behind me, I hear just a very, very loud crash. I'm getting after it in this story, though, and as that loud crash happens, my, f- my friend on the wall says, oh my gosh, right? And I'm like, yeah, I know this is a great story. And I keep going and telling this story, and then about another 10 or 15 seconds, he goes, and his mouth is just open, and he's pointing behind me, and he just says, you're in trouble. <laughs> so then I said, oh, man, okay, and I look behind me. I thought it was going to be my dad, but I look, and there are f- like five Great Danes coming at me real hard. One was pretty close, and this wasn't like, hey, I want to play with you. I know that look because I have Great Danes. This was, hey, you look like a bone. I want to chew you. Okay? So I get, I'm on my bike already, so I'm pedaling as fast, not with my hands, but with my feet. And I'm pedaling as fast as I can to get out of there. This Great Dane is gaining on me. I get to the end of the alley. I bank hard left because I know this is a busy street that I'm turning out on. This Great Dane comes out. He kind of skitters, or she, skitters into the street and a car almost hits the Dane, and the Dane runs back into the alley. And I almost, he almost dies, I almost die, and I bike all the way home. And I, get, I wish I could be, like, in the car with that person driving. And just like, oh, man, that kid just came out of there. Whoa! Like, <laughs> like I wish I could. And I wish I could just say thank you for saving my life that day. And, and so the Great Danes just hung out in the alley, and, and, and that was good. Now, this is a silly example, but what I believed about that fence, it mattered. Right? I thought it was going to hold. Now, because I was wrong, it did not turn out well for me. I had to run away from this dog, or I had to bike away from this dog. And if this car hadn't almost hit this dog, I probably would have died. And then also, it affected not just me, but it affected other people. Those great days were probably just roaming the neighborhood that day. I went in and I locked my doors. There's probably a kid that died that day, and I don't even know about it. And so, 
Only kidding, but maybe. And, and so what we believe does matter. And if it matters about something so silly as a fence that breaks, how much more important is it to believe about God who, who some people say created the universe and I think created the universe? What we believe about that matters because it will affect us. If we have two people in society and one in society says, man, I believe in God I believe that one day he's going to come and judge us. That person's going to live differently than someone in society that might say, no, I think when we die, we just, we're decomposed and we're part of the dirt. Those are two very different beliefs, and it matters what we believe, okay? I'm okay with difference of belief, but I think at the, we have to push against this lie in our culture that says, no, it doesn't really matter what you believe, because I think it does. And I think these texts today, these passages and acts today show us that. And we're going to see three tiers of people where it matters what they believe. And in particular, what matters is what do they believe about Jesus? In particular, what matters for them is what do they believe about the Bible and the scriptures? And so today, as we look at that, if you're in this room, you're like, I'm not sure what I believe. I'm not sure what I believe matters to me. I just want you to take a moment and go, what do I believe about Jesus? Does it matter? Could there be more implications than I realize? Okay, and so we're going to see that it's going to matter for leaders. It's going to matter for us as a church. And we're going to even see that matters for the world today. Okay, so Acts chapter 18. If you need a Bible, you can raise your hand. Someone will bring you a Bible. The words will be on the screen, though, as well. Raise your hand high. We do this every week. This is so if you don't own a Bible, you can keep it. But if you do own a Bible, I would just say um, set it somewhere on your way out. So we're going to be at Acts 18, verse 24, if you want to turn there now. All right, so like I said, Paul just finished his second missionary journey, and we're kind of seeing some stories that are taking place here. So verse 24 starts off this way. Now, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he only knew the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly, in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Okay, so we get this first story where we're going to see what we believe matters. And you get this guy, Apollos, who was a very eloquent speaker. He, he, he believed a lot of the scriptures, it sounds like, but he was a really good speaker. He was eloquent. He was fervent in spirit. This guy, if he was around today, you, you would download his podcast for a road trip, right? He is a regular Vince Garvey, if you will, okay? And so I don't know why you guys are laughing at that. And, <laughs> and so he was this eloquent speaker, and he's going around speaking, and he's speaking even accurately. And then these two tent makers who we saw Paul working with last week in the passages last week, Priscilla and Aquila or Aquila or whatever, they, are, they hear him, and they realize, hey, he's a little bit off. He only preaches the baptism of John. And commentators and theologians, theologians they, they kind of debate about what this is, but he probably preached repentance, and he probably, Apollos in general, preached even that Jesus was the Messiah because even John the Baptist preached that near the end of his life. 
But then he was maybe missing some details. Maybe he didn't know that Jesus died and resurrected. Maybe he didn't know that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. We're not sure. So they take Apollos aside and they say, hey, man, here's where you're off so that you can be even more accurate. And he, it sounds like he goes, yeah, okay. And he goes, well, can I go and preach this more accurate message? And the, the church is like, yes, let's send you to Ephesus. And so I think in this first story, what we see is not only does what you as an individual believe matter, but you as a leader, what you believe matters. It matters what our leaders believe. Because I think in here, we have all kinds of leaders. I loved what Vince said last week. He said, the church always needs more leaders. And I feel like in our church, we have all these great people that are stepping up and being leaders. We have leaders in the church that run all our service, like ministries and all of these things. We have pastors in here like Randy and Vince and myself. We have RC leaders in here. But even if you're not a leader with a formal sense with our church or in a formal sense with our church, you're, you're, a lot of you are leaders like your, your husbands and your dads and your moms and even you kids. A lot of you are leaders because you have younger siblings and then I think there's a whole bunch of you that are leaders because your friends that know you, they kind of just look at you as a leader. That you're the friend that usually is like, hey, let's do this, or hey, I'm really into this right now, or this kind of music's really good, or you, you just have a car, and you're driving everybody around, whatever it is. I think that a lot of you are, are in here are leaders, and I think it's so important for leaders to hear what you believe matters because what you believe will affect other people. Dads, what you believe will affect other people. They'll affect your kids. They'll affect your wife. Moms, what you believe will affect other people. They'll affect your kids. They'll affect other moms. What we believe matters. And so we should be, like Apollos, willing to always be a little bit more accurate, willing to hear from people and hear, okay, where can I be even more accurate in what the Bible says? And what the, the gospels say about Jesus, what the New Testament says about Jesus. We as leaders in here need to always strive to do this, okay? What we believe matters. Okay, let's go to the next story. Well, first, actually, before we go to the next story, so when I was a kid, uh, there's this thing called flannel graph. Did anyone have flannel graph when they were in kids' church when they were a kid? Nice. So, oh, you have? Awesome. No, he's allowed to talk. It's, it's Family Sunday. Um, so there would be like a big little, like a big uh, easel, and there would be this green mat you'd put like this felt stuff on, and then there would be cutouts of Bible characters, and my Sunday school teachers would put like Jesus on there, and Mary, and I'd like be taking the Samson one and want to put him in Jesus' stories, and like mix it up, and they never let me really touch it. And so I thought, hey, how can I engage the kids, help them like you know, just review the story with us, because I know they're not going to listen to me the whole time. So I did modern-day version of flannel graph, which was I made a picture in a paint program on, on, on the computer, okay? So if you want to put a picture number one, AJ, there we go. So this is a review of the story we just went over. In the middle, you'll see that's Apollos because of the A on his shirt. Back then, you wore A's for your names, usually. Um but not Priscilla and Aquila for some reason. Um, and then the, the tall woman there with red hair is uh, Priscilla, and she's teaching Apollos, and she's saying, Jesus loves you, right? Like, maybe that's what he was missing. And he has a little thought bubble that says, man, that's a really good point. And then that's her husband, um, Aquila, 
who's saying my wife is smart, or he's thinking my wife is smart. And he's, if you're wondering why he's holding it's a hammer, because he was a tent maker, okay? And she's holding scissors, okay? I think, I don't know. And so that's our picture. So uh, quick judgment. Hey, what, what's your name that has played with felt before? What's your name? I didn't hear it. But is this a good picture or a bad picture? <laughs> you can draw better? Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Thanks. Bad picture would have been fine. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, let's go to the next story. Acts 19. And we're going to see this next passage, this next tier of people that what they believe matters. Okay. 19 verse 1. It says this, and it happens that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who is to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. And so we see in the second story, again, what we believe matters. But in particular, what we believe in this story, like they got to this group of people that were, again, followers of John the Baptist, or they believed what John the Baptist preached. John the Baptist was just killing it in this region, I guess. And they came, and they... Again, they're, they're referred to as disciples. So, so Paul and Apollos, they look at these guys and they, they think they're believers, but they're still a little bit off, which I don't think that would really go well today, but, but I think because of the time and history it was that the gospel was still spreading to a degree. I think that's why they viewed it that way. At least Luke, who wrote it, viewed, it, viewed them that way. And so they say, hey, you're a little bit off. It sounds like they just maybe believed that a Messiah was coming. They didn't really maybe know about Jesus yet. And so Paul said, hey, that Messiah who's going to save you from your sins that you're repenting from, he has come. His name is Jesus. And they explain the gospel to him and, 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 and all the details there. And I think that this, this shows that for us, for the church, The church doesn't mean the building. The church means the body of believers. For us in this room, it matters what we believe. I think too often in the church, we just watch our brothers and sisters and we let them just believe whatever they want. We're very hesitant to say, hey, man, that is sin that you think isn't sin. Or we're very hesitant to say, hey, that view that you have about God, that's not quite the right view of God. And we don't gently and lovingly come along our brothers and sisters and just go, hey, what we believe matters. And that's a little bit off. Let me show you some scripture that helps back that up, that helps show you that that's maybe a little bit off. And I think that in here, if we became a church that really cared about what we believed, that we cared about what we all in here believed, I think we would become healthier people. I think we would become people that knew God better. Because what we believe about God matters so much. So what we believe matters, and we need to safeguard that in here. We need to be willing to hear those conversations. And then we need to be willing to hear conviction. 
Because sometimes we've been discipled a wrong way or we've been shown a wrong way and we think wrongly about God's word or Jesus or the Bible or who God is. And we need to be willing to be corrected in here, church. That's why I said I think it's going to be our least favorite message. What we believe matters. Okay? So that's the second story. Picture number two. Okay. Go ahead, laugh. I get it. Um, so this is Paul on the far left. You know it's Paul because he has a literal thorn in his side, as he talks about in Corinthians, okay? I've interpreted it as a literal thorn that he can never get out. And uh, not really, though. And, and then, okay, that bird thing is a dove, okay? And as we all know, doves represent the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit is co- like coming onto these people, and they're starting to speak in tongues. Like the first one saying "hello" in Spanish, "hola." The next one, and then I forgot it was just men. So we'll just say these are men with long hair. Um, the second one, the second man with long hair, is saying "ni hao," which is "hello" in Chinese. Um, that guy, the green thing on his head is a mohawk. It was popular in Ephesus at the time. Um, he's saying Jesus. Suave, all right? It means Jesus saves in French. And then the last guy is saying, uh, Paul, your tissues are going to heal people because that's like the next story. He's prophesying, okay? And so, and those, the yellow lines are the Holy Spirit powers coming out, Paul. All right, so just a little review. It's for the kids, all right? Jerry, Gerald, what do you think? Good picture, bad picture? It's better than you could do. All right, I like you, all right. (laughs) Just that. I like you too. Um, you're honest. You're honest. Uh, all right. Next story. Let's, let, let's get into it. This third story, we're going to see that not only does it matter what leaders believe, not only does it matter what we in the church here believe together, but it matters what the world believes. It matters even if you're, if you're hearing, like, I'm not a Christian, it matters what you believe too. Verse 8 says this in 19. And he entered the synagogue, this is Paul, and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, that's Christianity, that's one one thing that they called it, before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Okay, So Paul is going in and he cares what these people believe. He is contending. He is trying to convince them that Jesus is the Christ. It matters what we believe. And next we're going to hear a story that really shows that it matters for the world what they believe. Because the world is really resisting what Paul is saying. They like a lot of the results but they don't like the core belief of what Paul is saying, okay? So for this next story that we're about to go through, just a warning for, I don't know, little kids. I don't have a problem with this story, but it does talk about people's encounter with an evil spirit. And so if, that, if, you're, if you don't want your kid to hear that, you might want to walk out. I don't think it's too bad. Plus the drawing I made for it is awesome. So anyways, but don't put it up yet. Um, uh, so verse 11. Verse 11, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that, he had, tu- that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Siva were doing this. 
But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I recognize, but who are you? It's for the kids. And, and the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them. And kids, listen, this is why you read your Bibles, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. That's in the Bible. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced the magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them, and they found that it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. So we get this last story where Paul and maybe Apollos, they're, they're preaching and they're contending and they're talking to, to people in Ephesus. And God even starts to do these extraordinary miracles. Even Luke, who's been seeing all kinds of miracles, who wrote this book of Acts, he calls it extraordinary. And I think it's so interesting that in an area that we see like really cared about magic, God kind of does these almost magical type miracles, right? Where people are just touching cloths and being healed. And we've seen that before with Jesus and the, the woman uh, with the disease who touched his, his shirt or whatever and got healed. And so there's these miraculous miracles happening. And in the midst of it, people are going, okay, maybe there's something to what Paul's doing. And these seven sons of Siva in particular, they know this guy that has an evil spirit in him. So they go to this guy's house and they say, hey, in the name of Jesus that the Paul proclaims, get out, leave, whatever. And I love the, the evil spirit's response. I know, Jesus. And I've heard of Paul. Who are you guys? And then just beats them down. <laughs> One versus seven. Like, that's crazy. Like, I've, I've, ne I've seen, I, sometimes I've watched fights on YouTube. I've, like, happened on that. And one ver I've never seen a one versus seven, and the one guy wins. Not only that, again, this is in the Bible, so don't get mad at me for pointing it out. He beats them so bad that they run out of the house naked. I've never been in a fight. I don't know, like, how that happens. Like, that's, like, a weird thing. I don't know. I don't know if that's common. But these guys run out of the house naked, and the people realize, man, these, these sons of Siva, they don't believe what Paul believes. And so people come out of the word works and go, man, maybe there's something to this Jesus guy. And the Christians in the area start going, yeah, there is. And they're, saying, they're telling the world, hey, it matters what you believe, and here's what we believe. We believe that the Holy Spirit is in us. And that's what gives us the power to cast out any demon. Not the words that we say in the right order. It is not a magical incantation. It's God living in us. And then people are saved. And, they, and they're convicted to the point that they're throwing out and burning these very expensive books. It wasn't super easy to get books back then. And they're burning these books that modern estimates say it could be anywhere from like around a million to even millions based on how, how valued that silver coin was there. And so they throw away millions of dollars because they realize what they believe matters. Before I talk about those implications, let's just put the picture up. Picture number three. Okay. Found a really cool effect um, on my last trine. And I made the, so that's this demon-possessed guy who has kind of like shadowiness. And I kind of made him a ninja too because he beats seven guys, okay? Um, he's saying thank you for the shoes because I think he kept them. And there's these seven stick figures running. Now, if you notice in my last drawings, 
they had clothes, but the stick figures don't. So that's what represents that they're naked. And the last brother is just saying, why didn't we leave after he stripped the first one of us? Like, it's a valid question. And so I do want to say this, that if, if you're here and you're not a Christian, I want to contend to you that what you believe matters. What you believe about Jesus, what you believe about God, it does matter. And we saw in this story, it mattered for these sons of Siva. It mattered for the people in Ephesus. And yeah, today, I don't think, at least in America or in this region, that evil spirits operate really in this way where they're beating people down like this. Because I think if we began to see this like paranormal activity, we'd be down on our knees real quick. But I think, he's still, I think evil spirits still move in a way that they want to strip you from every piece of truth that you have. They want to strip you from any, any level of closeness to Jesus that you have. And so I want to contend, please bear with me if you're here not a Christian, what you believe matters too. It just does. And I want you to begin to think about that. And I think at the end of this sermon, we can all be in different places with it. I think there's like the, kind of these three realms we might exist in at the end of this sermon. Because years from now, you might hear, man, this one annoying pastor that was really bad at drawing... He, he said what I believe matters, and, and society's going to tell you, no, it doesn't matter that much as long as you're just a nice person. And so I think there's these three realms that I think we could find ourselves in. And I think the first realm is just like, you're, you're not a Christian. You're here and you're not a Christian. You don't believe what we believe. And you go, Anthony, I just, I don't think it matters as much as you do. I don't think there are eternal implications. And I just want to contend with you, please, just consider it. Consider Jesus Consider God. Doubt your doubts. Doubt your doubts because sometimes I think the human heart doubts because they don't want what could be true to be true, if that makes sense. They don't want it to be true that there is a God over the whole universe who created them for a purpose because it takes away some of our autonomy. So I would just contend with you if you're in this realm where you're like, I'm not really, I don't think it matters what you believe. I would say, Doubt your doubts. Doubt your doubts about the Bible. This next realm, I think, I see a lot of us in, and I find my heart strained this way at times, is someone who's a Christian who thinks it doesn't really matter that much what we believe in the Bible. That thinks it doesn't really matter that much what we believe about Jesus. As long as we, we, we believe the right things about him, but maybe not the moral things he said, or maybe not the things he said about heaven and hell, but just, just the who he is and his good teachings and all that. And I just want to say there's a huge problem with that. What you believe matters. Here's, here's an illustration. And, and here's why I think what you believe matters. I had a lot, I've had a lot of people over the years tell, tell me, like, Anthony, you just care too much about theology. You're too intense with it. You're too crazy, whatever. And I, and I just go, yeah, theology is the study of God. I care that we think about God correctly. And here's why. This, there's a pastor I know that says this. Tomorrow is actually me and my wife Jessica's uh, six-year anniversary, okay? So tomorrow she's going to get home from work, and um, I'm going to bring her inside. I'm going to give her a bouquet of daisies, okay, her favorite flowers, and then I'm going to sit her down. I'm going to give her her favorite meal. It's going to be steak, mashed potatoes, and gravy, and carrots, right? And I'm going to put that before her. And then I'm going to read her a poem that I wrote. And the poem's going to, it's going to talk about all the things I love about her. And it's going to start off like, Jessica, my dearest one, 
I love your blonde hair, okay? And I love your blue eyes. And I love that you're even a little bit taller than me. And, and, and all of these things. Now, some of you are laughing because you're in my RC and you know my wife. And my wife does not have blonde hair. Okay, she does not have blue eyes. She has uh, hazelish eyes. I don't, hazel, sorry. Um, hazel eyes. She has brown hair. Her favorite flowers aren't daisies. They're mums. I don't even know what that is. Her favorite food is definitely not steak and potatoes. And we, me and my wife, as loving as the things I was doing for her, we would have a problem. Okay? This is why theology matters. Because before God... If we're thinking about God in an incorrect way, it does affect our relationship. It does affect our relationship with him here and now. And so if we're in this realm, we're like, ah, it kind of matters, it kind of doesn't. I just want to contend with you. I think if you want to have a strong, vibrant relationship with God, it matters how you think about him. What you believe matters. Okay, and then we have this final group over here where... We kind of, we take the Bible and we just say, hey, this is a, and we don't realize we're doing this. And I stray towards here a lot too. And we say, this is a robotic text of rules and it is a, a way of philosophy and this is the only way to think and this is the only rules to follow. And if you live outside of these rules, you are in trouble. And the problem with that is, and I'm, as Christians, we do follow some rules. I, 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 don't, I don't think we don't. But this book, is a story about a God who created everything and how humanity messed it up and how God is fixing it and how God has come to earth to save us. This is a story of who God is. It's not a story of the best rules to follow, although that's in there. And so when we reduce it to this robotic, mechanical thing, the world hears us talk about it in that way and they never get to see the correct picture of who God is. They think he's just some kind of divine rule or referee, really. And yes, our morality matters. Yes, we shouldn't sin. But I think too often we, we go, yes, it really, really, really matters what we believe. And that in one sense is completely true. But a lot of times when we love that value so much, we twist and kind of pervert the, the word of God. And we need to be careful of that as Christians. Because what we believe matters because it gives us the true picture of who Jesus is. If we don't think that what we believe matters, we don't get this true picture of God coming to earth in the form of his son, Jesus. And Jesus living this perfect life, showing us what restored humanity looks like, what perfect humanity looks like, what sinless humanity looks like. And then he goes and he, he brings the kingdom of God to earth, showing us what God's kingdom is like. And then he dies on the cross in our place for our sins. And if we don't believe correctly, some of that stuff will get twisted up. And then he dies and he's resurrected and he sends the spirit to live in us. If we don't believe correctly, some of those details will get messed up and the picture of who God is will get mess messed up. So what we believe matters because it affects our relationship with God. So let's be a church that cares what we believe. Let's be gentle and loving and willing to hear conviction. But let's Let's not be a church that goes, ah, it doesn't really matter that much. Let's be a church and a people that say, man, I want the true picture of who God is, so it does matter what I believe. Amen, church? Let's pray. 
God, we, we love you. We need you and we thank you. God, help us because it can be really easy to take an idea like this and turn it into like a legalistic religious thing, God. And we know that it's only by your power, only by your strength have you saved us. It's everything that you've done and nothing that we have done. So God, just help us today to be convicted where we need to be convicted. God, where I personally think there are certain things about you or who you are, your word, that I think it doesn't matter that much, convict me, God, and and convince me where I need to be convinced. God, we, we need you to understand you. We thank you that you've given us the Bible, which is your word to us, telling us who you are. We thank you that it has authority. God, help us to believe in it. Help us to have faith in it. God, help us to be a church that, we, that cares about what we believe. Amen.